Welcome to the Love First Podcast, where we are committed to biblical teaching and sharing the principles and the promises of living out our faith according to what Jesus says are the two greatest commandments, loving God with our whole being and loving others as ourselves. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to help build your faith and deepen your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. I know it's been a long time since I've recorded a podcast that, and guys, I'm truly sorry for that. But let me be transparent here for a minute. I did go through a pretty heavy dose of depression and anxiety, and the last thing that I could really do during that time is to continue my series about how to grow the church when we can't go to church. Because quite honestly, this whole lockdown opened my eyes to a lot of areas where many churches are are failing big time. And I experienced some, some major hurt from the church. So between all of that, I just didn't think it was a good time for me to be teaching about the church. But thankfully, thanks to some medication that my doctor put me on, and especially thanks to the prayers and encouragement and constantly checking up on me by a friend of mine, the worst is definitely behind me, and I'm starting to be able to focus again. And I promise I will get back to the series from the book of Acts on the church, but first I want to share with you some things that God has taught me as I came out of this depression and out of this anxiety, all related to this whole COVID-19 lockdown and being totally isolated. You know, I know we've all been going through difficult times right now, and some more than others. I I know many of you have lost your jobs, and and some have even lost their place of living. Some have lost uh, your relationships, and some of you have lost your church. My doctor told me that uh, people suffering from anxiety and depression have just skyrocketed over the time since this lockdown started. And, you know, I believe it. Because when I went to pick up my medications, the pharmacy had to put it on back order and it took another two days before it got there because they were completely out of this medication because so many people were needing it. And oh, so many of us during this whole time, for for many different reasons, uh, we've lost our joy. Between having to stay cooped up in our home and and then other losses that people have experienced during this time, it's no wonder why so many of us have lost our joy. A good friend of mine who I always have known to be one who demonstrates the joy of the Lord went through a bout of anxiety and depression when one thing after another, some of them pretty serious, kept happening to them kind of reminded me of the, in the Old Testament with uh, Job, when as soon as one bad thing was finished, the next one came and just kept layering on, on top of each other. Um, it kind of reminded me of that. Well, see, it's, it's so easy to lose our joy when everything around us is falling apart. Some of you know people who are dying of COVID-19 we all are experiencing that verbal civil war uh, where people are arguing on whether or not we should wear masks or not wear masks or should we close down or should we not close down. Well, a lot of us were unable to go to work 
we've un- been unable to experience church. A lot have gotten tired of the people that they're living with because they're with them 24-7 with no breaks. It's been difficult to go grocery shopping. It's been difficult to do just about anything outside of being cooped up. And all of this keeps adding to people's depression and anxiety and not to mention the fact that those normal things that we've used as an escape, like like sports and watching sports on TV and following your favorite teams, they're gone. Going to concerts, they're gone. All of it has been gone. It's been a difficult time. And for some, just the confusion and the worry, what's the future going to hold? We don't know. And others think the worst. And they have just a whole sense of hopelessness and despair. We're never going to get back again. It's like we have this whole new pandemic that's going around causing us to lose our joy. Now, I'm not talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm talking about the pandemic within our own minds, within our own hearts, that's keeping us from experiencing joy. And you know, it's up to the followers of Christ. It's up to the church, if you will, to lead the way to help flatten that curve of this pandemic that's inside of our hearts and inside of our minds. And I'll tell you right now where I'm going with this. So you know it up front. The answer to flattening that curve, the answer to restoring our joy is found with the attitude of gratitude. Yeah, I know whether it's the lockdown that has shaken us to our core or if it's other things that have been happening to us that are really not a result of the COVID-19 lockdown, just other circumstances in life. If we are not truly living in the joy of the Lord, then, guys, we're part of the problem. And now it's time to be part of the solution. It's time to take the antibodies of gratitude to get within us, to get rid of the virus of depression, anxiety, despair, and hopelessness. And we're going to do that. We're going to talk about how to do that by looking at a few passages in Scripture. First, I want to look at an Old Testament picture, and and I want you to imagine this, kind of paint a picture here that we find in Proverbs chapter 13. That verse says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. If your heart is happy, if you have joy on the inside, it can't help but show up on the outside. You want others to be attracted to you? Then learn to find joy in your life and and let it flow out. It's contagious. On the other hand, when heartache overwhelms you and crushes your spirit, and as a result, you don't have any joy in your life, it's going to be written on your face, and people will see the pain, the hurt, and the sorrow. So what's the remedy? How do I turn my heartache and a crushed spirit into a happy heart that creates a cheerful face? Okay, now this is not just me speaking Bible ease to you. The effects of gratitude have been scientifically proven. I read an article just the other day that had 20 scientific proofs of what having gratitude does to you. 
Now, I'm not going to worry about all 29 of them right now, but let me hit on a few that I found to have been very thought-provoking for me. And in the midst of my downturn I took emotionally, this all kind of started making sense. So I'm going to look at three of them here. Uh, One, gratitude reduces toxic emotions. You know the ones I mean. The ones that, those emotions that just keep spinning around and around inside of us, convincing us that life really does suck right now. Those emotions, they can be crippling. I know they sure were for me. But gratitude can help get rid of those toxic emotions. Second thing is, and this is another big one for me, gratitude helps us sleep better. Now, how's that? Well, let me, let me tell you my own story here a little bit. There was a time before my bout with depression and anxiety, uh, before this COVID-19 lockdown, that I had no trouble sleeping. Virtually every single night, five minutes or less after my head hit the pillow, boom, I was out and I slept good. But then the depression, the anxiety, began to grip me a week or two into the lockdown. And after a few weeks, I went through, because I actually counted it, I went through a 12 consecutive days that I averaged less than two and a half hours sleep a night. There were two nights in there, I got absolutely no sleep. Guys, it was killing me. It was literally slowly killing me. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I was down at the bottom. And a large part of that was because I couldn't sleep. Let me read to you just a portion of this article of what it says gratitude does for sleep. And there's a key word in there that that what gratitude does, and it kind of fixes all these problems. All right, let me read this. Gratitude activates the parasympathetic branch of your nervous system. It's also called the relaxation response. While negative emotions activate the sympathetic branch, often referred to as the fight or flight response. Let me stop there for a minute. I had that a lot of times. That flight, I had to flee. This overwhelming sense, need, that I had to just get out and and go. And there were several times in the middle of the night that I could not stay put. It was a almost a compulsion. I have to leave. I have to flee. I have to get out. And I would go out, get in my car, and at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, drive around country roads for a couple of hours before going back home and then able to finally relax enough to get an hour or two of sleep. All right, let me continue reading there. Considering that, it's no surprise that gratitude has been shown to reduce the time required to fall asleep, increase sleep quality, and sleep duration. Now, remember I, used, I said that I used to have no problems back before a couple months ago, falling asleep, staying asleep, getting great sleep? It's because I really was living with, with a life of gratitude. But now, after this COVID-19 thing started and that depression went in, I forgot about gratitude for a while. All right, third thing, gratitude reduces depression and anxiety. And see, that sleep, that lack of sleep stuff, that helped build the depression, but the depression kept the lack of sleep from happening. Uh, it was a vicious cycle going through. But gratitude 
helps reduce depression and anxiety. It's that same activation that we talked about just a minute ago, that parasympathetic branch of the nervous system that causes us to sleep better, also causes us to lower our anxiety and our depression. Hey, that's all pretty cool stuff. That when we actually put it into practice, it can help start restoring the joy in our lives. Or if we have some joy in our lives, it will increase the joy in our lives. But yeah, the hard part's actually putting it into practice. I mean, how many of you know that when we are really down in the dumps, when we're really depressed, even though we know we should be practicing gratitude, we just don't feel like it? We are so far down in the dumps that we don't feel like doing the very thing that's going to get us out of depression. But gratitude is really the true doorway to joy. Get that picture in your mind. You're outside in, in, in the storm, in, in, this, in this weather that's this storm that's just tearing you down, bringing you down, and there's a doorway in front of you, and it says gratitude across the top of it. And inside, you know you're safe, and you'll be happy and joy. There's a nice fire going in the fireplace inside, and all you have to do is open the door of gratitude and go in, and things will start becoming joyful for you. It's that easy. If you are suffering from a lack of joy in your life, then the only way to get to the state of joy is to walk through that doorway called gratitude. But it's opening that door that's the toughest part for us. Because everything within us fights to sit there and say, I am not going to open that door. I don't feel like it. I don't have the strength to even approach that door to open that door. And that's why we stay in a state of despair. Now, guys, I'm not just spouting off theoretical things. I'm not just quoting scripture to you, and I'm not just reading a scientific journal to you. I'm talking from personal experience here, as well as experience of friends of mine that they've gone through during these downtimes in life. You see, there have been seasons in my life, especially recently, that I battle that serious anxiety that led to that bad case of depression. I used to suffer from it. I had learned to deal with it, and I thought I had it licked. I went about seven years without even suffering any kind of anxiety attack. You know, at, le at least not, nothing that I couldn't handle and, and uh, nip in the bud right away. And then came COVID-19. It wasn't the disease that got me. It wasn't the fear of the disease that got me. It wasn't the fact that I, or the, the guess that we don't know if everything's going to be back to normal, if this is the end of the world. It wasn't anything like that. It was just simply total isolation. Where during a, sp a span of time in there, I had an eight-day period, a different 12-day period, and a different eight-day period of consecutive days that I went without seeing a living soul, and that was just all starting to drag me down because, guys, that's why we need people. Now, I'm not doing the series on, 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 on the church right now. We're, we're going to get back to that one, but that is where the church needs to step in and somehow 
do something. And, and churches eventually started doing that. But sometimes it was too late because they didn't know what to do. But we'll get to that when we go back to the church series out of the book of Acts. So anyway, um, this all got me. And I knew how to get out of it. And for a while, in those first few weeks of the lockdown, I was able to, to stay out of it. I could fight it off. One of the key things I found a while back was to help me anytime I'm feeling overwhelmed with, with depression starting to set in, was to pour my life and my prayers into helping someone else. And while I did that for quite a while, for several weeks, I was able to hold off that anxiety and that depression. But eventually, it got me. And when it did, it took me down. It took me down hard. And I couldn't get out of it because I had no, not really focused on gratitude. I mean, I was looking at the fact that, what do I have to be grateful for? Yeah, there were things, but none of them were really affecting me. Well, we're going to get to that here in a second. And then one day, things begin to change for me. Yeah, part of it was I went on medication. I resisted that for a long time. But a friend of mine finally convinced me I had to do this. And boy, am I glad I did. A large part of it was this friend ministering to me, though. Because like I said, we need people. But a large part of it, the part that has been able to, to kind of just keep me going here, was that I could truly stay focused on being grateful. And that really began to speed up the healing process. Oh, I'm not saying that every day is rosy and peachy because it's not. Just a couple of days ago, I had a pretty big anxiety attack. But this time it was a little bit different because when I did come out of it, I didn't fall into the depression like I did before. The anxiety was there. The, the need to, to, to flee was there. I did it again. Got up at 2 o'clock in the morning because I hadn't slept and I was going crazy. And I got out and drove for about an hour. And I came back and, and I was good. And I didn't get the depression that I did before. And that's because as I came back, or as, actually as I was driving around, I started focusing on things that I was grateful for. And it started changing my whole attitude. So let me encourage you, whether you are on that depression or that anxiety scale, wherever you are on there, focus on gratitude. I mean, I started a gratitude journal even. Not writing paragraphs or pages, just writing one or two words of things that I'm grateful for. Now, I'll be honest. At first, it was really forced. Uh, I'm grateful for the sunrise that I'm seeing out my window right now because I haven't slept all day, all night, and it's sun's coming up, and uh, yeah, I'm grateful for it. It's a nice sunrise. Uh, I'm grateful for that beautiful view of nature that I have sitting on my back deck that I see every day, every day, and see nothing else. I'm grateful for that. But then it starts getting a little bit deeper. And I started really being grateful for things that, uh, hey, I still have my health. And, and anybody that I personally know, they haven't come down with a COVID-19. 
It's all been good health-wise. And then I started being grateful for things like, hey, I'm getting a paycheck still. I'm working from home, and, 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 and I'm a teacher, and I'm you know, having to do this teaching high school seniors online and having them turn in their work, and it's been like pulling teeth and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, sitting in front of a computer all day long and then realizing what do I have to look forward to at the end of the day was sitting in front of the TV. Um, that was tough. But I have a paycheck. It's coming in, and it's going to continue to come in. I have a job at least another year. And as I continued writing these things down, they begin to get a little bit more out of the mundane stuff, and I started focusing on things that really do matter. I started being grateful for the friends who care for me, that God has brought into my life because God knew I needed that. I became grateful for for God's forgiveness in my life and and grateful for the many prayers that, that I have prayed that he has actually answered and answered in big ways. And I focused on, on the thing, these things and I began writing them down. Because see, for me, when I write things down, they become real to me. If they're just in my head, they're nebulous thoughts and kind of like in one ear, out the other, probably ADD. But if I write it down, if I force myself to write down, grateful for friends, then it becomes real. So, focusing on that gratitude, going through that door of gratitude that we were talking, getting, forcing myself to open that door and walk through it was the way out of that pit of depression out in the world, that anxiety, that despair. So maybe some of you are finding yourself in, in some sort of pit. It doesn't have to be the major depression or anxiety like, like I was having. It doesn't even have to be a fear or a worry, but you just are in some kind of, you're trapped in some kind of a, a, a pit. I urge you to focus on walking through that door of gratitude, even if you don't feel like it, because you're not going to feel like it. And you're not going to sit, you're not going to think, this is the answer. I'm, you're going to think I'm too far gone for that. That's not going to do the trick. Do it. It's going to bring you that joy. It's going to lead you into that room of joy where that fireplace is, where it's nice and cozy where God can minister to you, where others can minister to you. It will open up that life of joy. Well, let's look at just how we're going to do that. I mean, it's one thing to say, walk through that door and joy's going to return to you. It's just going to happen. Or it's one thing to say, hey, be grateful. It's another thing to actually be able to do it. Remember, I already knew what the solution to my problem was. But I was so far down that I just didn't want to do it. So with that in mind, let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. And this comes from my favorite book in the Bible. Uh, some people even call it the, the joy book. Uh, and let me point out here that the Apostle Paul who wrote this 
he wrote this while he was in prison. I mean, he was basically under house arrest. He could not leave the house. He couldn't leave it at all and had, they didn't have the ankle bracelets back then, but he had guards there that wouldn't let him leave it. Uh, he had his uncertain future. I mean, he didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. He knew at any minute he could be summoned up to be killed. Now, does this kind of sound a little bit of what some of us have gone through these last few months? We can't leave the house. We are unsure of the future. We don't know if we're going to get the COVID-19 and, and die. Well, it's in the middle of Paul's lockdown that he writes these words. Philippians 4, starting verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. For those of you who are parents or teachers or, or coaches, you know that when you really want to emphasize something that's important, you say it twice. As a basketball coach, I was always repeating myself during timeouts in, in kind of a rapid-fire way to make sure that they understood the importance of what I was saying. Box out. You have to box out. I said it twice. So that's all Paul was doing here. He was saying, be full of joy. Did you hear me? I'm going to say it again just in case you missed it. Rejoice. You know, up until recently, I thought I knew what that word rejoice meant. I mean, the dictionary says it means to be glad or make joyful. And that's pretty much what I knew it to mean. But then I started looking deeper into the Greek word that's translated rejoice. It's the word Kareo. And yes, it does mean be glad. But there is a deeper and, and even a more beautiful meaning in the Greek when you look at the word Kareo. It comes directly from the root Karis. And that word means grace. That beautiful, unmerited favor of God, that beautiful thing that we sing about, amazing grace. It is that grace that causes us to be able to rejoice in whatever circumstances we are in, in however we are feeling. You see, Paul was rejoicing not because of the fact that he was in prison and could die at any time. He was rejoicing because he was focusing on the grace of God. Verse 5 says, Let everyone see that you are faithful in all you do. Remember, the Lord is at hand. Paul encourages us that no matter how we're feeling, God hasn't gone anywhere. He's still here with us. We may not see it. We may not feel it. But God is always working in us. He's always there with us. Right beside us. Holding us. Holding our hand. Cradling us sometimes. And we are encouraged in this verse to show our faithfulness in our lives to God despite what circumstances we find ourselves in. Despite our feelings. Despite our anxiety. Despite our depression, God is faithful to us 
So we should demonstrate our faithfulness to Him. So whatever it is we are going through, verse 5 reminds us that God is with us. And then verse 6 says, Don't worry or don't be anxious about anything. Whew, now that's a tough one. I mean, like for me, I didn't want to suffer from anxiety. And I could read that verse all day long that tells me not to feel anxious or worried about anything. But just reading that verse wasn't enough. But you know, part of me, this is just kind of who I am, I love when I'm studying the scriptures to look past the obvious. I want to look at what was really being said here. So I look at the Greek word that's translated anxious, and I see that, yes, it does mean worried, but it goes beyond feeling worried. It literally means to be pulled apart. Now, have you felt pulled apart recently? Have you felt like you are being pulled in, in different directions, maybe? You know, I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, of that song, Should I Stay or Should I Go? And no, you're not going to find that song in your hymnal or on your favorite worship song list. But how many of you can relate in some way or in some fashion to that very question? Should I stay or should I go? I'm being pulled apart. My heart has been broken in two. I don't know which way I'm supposed to go. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. All I know is yesterday was terrible and today isn't any better and tomorrow might be worse. I'm being pulled apart. And the more we worry about these things, the more we start pulling ourselves apart even more. And it can become so debilitating. But Paul is saying here, don't let yourself be pulled apart. Don't be anxious about anything. Yeah, Paul, right. You don't suffer from anxiety. You aren't in my circumstances. You haven't been betrayed or, or had your heart broken. You haven't lost your job. You aren't about to lose your life savings. You haven't lost your best friend. You haven't been forgotten or, or disillusioned by the church. And Paul would answer, maybe not, but you'd be surprised. I mean, I have been beaten several times and left for dead. I've been shipwrecked and, and stranded. I've been bitten by a poisonous viper that should have killed me. I've been stoned a few times, not recreationally, literally with rocks being thrown at them. And hey, I'm just in prison right now. And as far as I know, they may kill me tomorrow. So yeah, you're right, Christian. I don't understand. Whatever or wherever you find yourself, Paul is encouraging us not to be torn apart. Not to be anxious. Not to worry. But you can't just say, don't worry, don't be anxious. You have to give, give the solution. So Paul says, but instead, pray about everything. And the verse goes on to say, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Pray about what you need. Uh, now, we, when we're in trouble, 
we do that pretty well, don't we? We tell God that we need this or we beg him for that. And, and, and we're, we're feeling so down. God, fix my problem, fix my situation, heal my heart, whatever. But how often do we do that second part? How often are we actually truly grateful or thankful for all that he's done? Do we focus on that? All right, so I'm going to look at the Greek word again because I just love doing that. And, and it means, and it's pretty important here, the Greek word for thankful is Eucharista. And yes, it means exactly what we think it means. It means thankful. But if you look right in the middle of that word, you see the root word again, charis. That marvelous and amazing word that means grace. So stay with me here and you'll see exactly where I'm going with this. Paul is telling us to rejoice and pray about everything and be grateful. Not because of the circumstances we are in, not because of the way we are feeling or what's happening to us. That might be pretty hard to do, and in some cases, that might even be impossible for you to do. But the word eucharista means to be grateful from a heart that understands what you have been saved from. That forgiveness that God offers us. You know, I have a friend who I believe understands this concept better than anyone else I've ever known. That friend met Jesus several decades ago after a living a life that they describe as being pretty bad. But even now, several decades after salvation, they're continually talking about the forgiveness and the love of God that God has for them. And this person has truly understood forgiveness. And because God has forgiven them, they are so able to forgive others of even the most heinous and hurtful things that have been done to them. Because they understand what God has done for them. And when this friend goes through those extremely difficult times, the focus on God and what he's done never changes. Because they understand God's forgiveness, God's love, God's grace. You see, this attitude is not dependent on the circumstances of our lives changing. My circumstances didn't change. COVID-19 is still really messing up our world. It's messing up lives. But the things that are getting you down... They're still going to be there. But it's about where your focus is. When we begin to focus on God's grace, on what we have received from Him that we didn't deserve, and guys, that goes beyond just our salvation experience. It's anything that He gives us. Because in reality, we don't deserve anything. But our problem is that we think we do. And when we aren't experiencing what we want or what we think we deserve, and our focus goes there, then we are not focusing on the grace of God in our lives. But when we do focus on His grace and everything else that He's given us and has done for us, we find the ability to rejoice and be grateful. 
So now listen to verse 7 and see if it just doesn't sound like the best thing that you can possibly experience right now. Verse 7 says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, doesn't that sound like exactly where we want to be in life right now? Truly experiencing God's peace that goes beyond our wildest imaginations. So much peace that it really doesn't matter what we're going through. We are at peace and therefore we are full of joy. I know I sure love those times of life. And here's the great thing. The Greek again. The Greek word for peace is arenic. And it means exactly the opposite of what the word for anxious is. Remember, anxiety is like being pulled apart. But the word arenic, it means the exact opposite. It means to be made whole. To be complete. To be put back together. So, If you are one who feels like your life has been falling apart, this arenic, this peace of God can make you whole again. It can put you back together again. But here's the key. We cannot experience verse 7, that arenic peace of God that makes us whole again, if we don't first do verse 6. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. So let's get real practical here. How do we change these thought patterns? How do we go from focusing on our own problems and start focusing on that charisse, that grace of God that is going to bring about peace? Well, the final verse in the passage today shows us exactly what we need to do. You know, so often when we're in our our depression, when we're in our anxiety, our mind, our focus is on all the negative things in life. For me, it was focusing on my loneliness, of being totally isolated. It was my my sense of feeling useless and, and worthless. And I was focusing on those things. And the more I let myself feel that way, the worse things got. But verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, what we think about transforms our hearts. And when our heart is transformed, joy shows on our face and it comes out in encouraging and uplifting words when we speak to others. And then that joy then starts to invade their lives. And when it invades their lives, they do the same thing and they pass it on. And it goes on to the next person because joy is contagious. And if there are enough of us followers of Christ demonstrating this kind of love to our world, 
in any way possible, starting with those that we're closest to and then, and then moving out, then we will start to see a new pandemic sweeping our country. A pandemic of gratitude. And the symptoms of this pandemic is love, joy, and peace. Now for me, that's something to get excited about. Hi, this is Steve Bittison. If you enjoyed this podcast or if God blessed you or taught you anything in it, I hope that you will subscribe to the Love First podcast and share it with your friends. That way you won't miss any of the upcoming teachings and messages and maybe you will help be a blessing to someone else.